Tulsa's number one podcast. Showtime, baby. It's Castro X to Titty Tia, Eyes Open, dubbed the home of the emotionally naked. A podcast about anything and everything. If you don't like it, with all due respect, fuck you. Yo, 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 Mike, check, 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 check. Go ahead and talk for me. Hello. How's it going? Wonderful, wonderful. All right, man. Let's go ahead and get into it. Fuck you, nigga. I'm about to lasso Castro the asshole. Turn him into mincemeat for ramen casserole. Feed it to a thick booty bad bitch. She'll fucking kill me if I try to feed a cabbage. Pussy fried catfish. I'ma hit them boys with Mandalorian hat tricks. I ain't never had shit till I turned to rap. And for rapper to rapper, Kappa Lambda, I'm on some fragile shit. Packing on Packers damage, stamina, stacking damage, acting out like an asses. If you move it against me, it's like my last. You should've taken some classes. Uh-huh. Baby, what is he rapping? If you couldn't hack it, then maybe you should trash it. I'ma serve it like a delivery package. Misery's a habit in the latest fashion. She likes to pull up in the fastest. Hoop me with the black tip. We get it cracking. She releasing the dragon. Hold up. Fire breathing. I am not a heathen. I am just a lion crushing everything he's saying. Heat-seeking, miss a launcher with a beacon With all due respect, fuck you for even speaking, ho Yo, 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 it's your man Castro X Coming at you live and direct With the With All Due Respect podcast Ladies and gentlemen, I got a very special guest in the building with me here today uh, You know what I'm saying? Local DJ, been doing his thing in the DJ world for a really long time Stand-up comedian, Writer and all around good dude, man, a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Blake Dyer, aka Baby Blue in the building, man. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me today. Of course, brother. I've been wanting to get you in here for a little bit. Um, I think we first linked at my very first live rap show uh, that I was actually a part of. Uh, shout out to J. Rob the Law, man. We had you doing uh, helping out with some of the DJ stuff at that time. Yeah, I was doing sound. Yeah. I was setting up sound for Rabbit Hole before. Uh, it switched ownership recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think my friend Fred Rico, yes sir, was DJing that show, which you were an influence on. Uh, yeah. As far as Fred Rico, do you want to talk to us a little bit about you guys? How you guys came together? Uh, well, I kind of started out when I was 18, 17, 18 DJing mm-hmm. in Tulsa because I was going to college at the time at OSU in Ogmulgee, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I was traveling to Tulsa on the weekends, trying to get spots at after-hour raves and stuff like that. I think the first one that I actually got a gig at was Euphoria, which they haven't done their thing in 10 years now. Uh, Then I started working for a place like Gingerbread House and Mm -hmm. Basement for a little while. And uh, yeah, I think I met Fred through the G-Spot crowd. That's real dope. That's real dope, man. Yeah. What's your uh, what's your influence into getting into DJ, man? Did you just want something to do, or has it been a heart's passion, or what? Well, I just remember as a kid, uh, really liking electronic music a lot. Mm. I don't know what it was, how I got into it. You know, birth of the internet when I was, you know, in middle school is when not the birth of the internet, but when the internet became like really popular. Everybody had a computer in their home, so I would get on YouTube when it was new and 
look up techno songs and house songs that I really liked, and I'd see performances from people. I remember being, I remember being like 15 or 16, really wanting to do it. Right. And, you know, my parents let me buy <laughs> irresponsibly all the DJ stuff, t- uh, turntables and vinyl and stuff like that. And, yeah. And I remember when I was 18, I was so ready. Now I could get into those clubs downtown mm-hmm. to go and DJ and bring a mixtape. It was a CD. You know, I had to record on a other device and hook it in the computer and put it on a CD. An hour mix, I'd bring 10 of them and I'd take them all around to different bars that were 18 plus and were like clubs or whatever downtown. Hey, here's my mixtape. Uh, got my phone number on it. If you want me to DJ, call me. See, that's really dope because... Over in the hip hop world, the handing out of the mixtapes was a big deal back in the day. You know, handing out the, the literal tapes oh, yeah. and then we switched to the CDs. I didn't know that that same thing occurred in the DJ world. Well, I think back then it did. It doesn't now because everybody's got a SoundCloud and everybody's mm-hmm. got a MixCloud and a Facebook and a YouTube channel. I mean, back then it was still MySpace. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. So right. Couldn't really have mixes online if you weren't like really famous, you, you know. You didn't really have access to that, right. or I was too stupid to gain access to that, so I'd just bring mixtapes around. And it were, I remember when I did it back then, I was 18, this baby-faced kid, just trying to get any spot I could. Right. I think it set an impression when I was younger. I definitely, like, so, like I said, with the handing out of the taste, man, there's a certain hustle that goes to that. There's a certain grind that comes with that. Getting out there... uh you know what I'm saying? Wanting your shit to be heard so bad, man. I'm, I'm going to do it by any means, and I'm going to go hand these out. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? There's something to be said for that. Yeah. You know? An image, I mean, now, even back then it was, and now it is even more. I mean, look at how I'm dressed now. Right. Uh, Gorgeous. If you I, guys, if you I, was a, I was a guy that was raised on a pig farm in the middle of nowhere, and I wanted to, you know, Tulsa seemed like the big city mm-hmm. <laughs> to me. Coming down here and being in the music scene was like kind of my dream, which it is. It's what I'm doing now, so I guess right. I made it in a certain way. Not famous, famously obscure, maybe. We're building though. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? There's, yeah. there's still plenty of future to go uh, with this journey, man, which is exactly what it is. It's a journey, you know. Uh, man, talk to me a little bit uh, about your first gig. You know what I'm saying? Your first time. Okay, so you were out here handing out your tape, things like that. Uh, when did you land your first show? Okay, I got booked onto a show at um, the Marquee Vanguard. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Vanguard now. Back then it was the Marquee. Was it as prestigious at the time? The Marquee was still a big yeah, deal. Yeah, right? back then they did the after hour thing. I remember being stuck there until 6 o'clock waiting to, you know, pull my equipment down. Uh, that's where I met Mad Cat. Which was an old breaks DJ, mm-hmm. and I played with people like I think that night was Foxy, uh, who plays at Vitus now, and Darku uh, Raj Mahal was on that show. I think really that was the very first one I'd ever played in Tulsa. It was the After Hours at the Marquee. The uh, Euphoria was the show. That's crazy. How did it go over? Like it was a really popular night. I mean. I wasn't the draw. I was just kind right. of one of the guys. But you got to be involved with it. Yeah, though. it was really nice meeting people. Um, meeting Mad Cat, he helped me, tri- like, he helped train me better on how to be a better 
DJ especially was the vinyl and how to mix better and how to transition and how to beat match easier. Because I was just a kid. I didn't know that much about doing it. I was just bedroom DJ for a few years right. trying to do the best I can. Having a guy actually mentor me helped me out a lot. I know a lot of respect to him. I don't even know where he is now. but Let me ask you this, man, because I like to deep dive a little bit into the craft. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't know a lot about DJ. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I saw the... You know the scratches on the on the hip hop side of things, but there's so much more that goes into DJ. We got you know what I'm saying running the equipment, and then also on stage the performance side of things, man. So you said you spent two to three years bedroom DJ, correct? Yeah. How did you study your craft at that time? Was it just trial and error by yourself, or well, were you trying to do what they did and the I mean what you heard back then? I didn't use a computer mm -hmm. like you see. I mean, I use one now, but a lot of DJs back then. Uh, CDJs, which is coming back into popularity, and vinyl, which back then I was just playing vinyl. It's all about listening other than looking. Mm -hmm. When you're on a computer, you can see this song is 128 BPMs, this song is 130 BPMs. I need to slow this one down. Back then, you just kind of had to listen for yeah, it. DJ is. Yeah, and you'd have one on cue and one playing over the speakers. The one on cue, you kind of had to listen if it was going a little bit faster. You just had to have that ear for it. So I didn't do too well when I first started on transitioning and beat matching. Mm -hmm. So I'd find places in the song where I thought it would sound nice to kind of have a transition during a breakdown, backspin the current track and let the drop come in on the second one. So I was trying to be creative with it, which it sounds better now, knowing how to beat match a little bit better. Right. You know, how to do all that stuff you have to kind of have an ear for what key a, sa a song is in too i think that's really dope man uh talk to me a little bit about this in regards to i don't know if you're familiar with hip-hop dj you know if it's the same style or anything like that but i know I've, I've watched some documentaries you know what i'm saying on some old stuff uh when it comes to the hip-hop dj man and a lot of times they'll find uh a good part of the song that they like to run it back. They like to run back. Is that a similar thing over in, in electronic DJ? Oh, I mean, yeah, there's certain parts that I like to loop where it could just be a four-beat little section that has mm -hmm. a really cool sound to it. I mean, I'll loop that four beats and I'll let it play for a little bit, you know, put a little bit of an effect on it, right. drop out the levels or, like, bring down the lows for a second, bring the lows back up so you have no bass and then more bass. Uh, you know, if I find a little section of a song, too, I mean, I might just try to remix that whole track based on just that one small segment. Mm. I mean, I've done that before, which I don't release music. I just like to play things that I've remixed. I think that that's incredible. So so you don't have, like, tapes or anything like that currently? Tapes? Do you? Uh, like, releases, no. I've never released any music. Mm -hmm. But I've made quite a few things that sometimes I'll play live. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe I just never got the reaction that I was expecting. Maybe if I play a song that I did make a few years back, and somebody's like, oh, I fucking love that track, then yeah, I might release it. But I've right. never gotten that response, so. I can dig it, man. That's dope. <laughs> uh, man, let's continue down your story, man. I'm just, I'm really interested in the progress of, you know what I mean, becoming Baby Blue. You feel me? Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So you got your first show, which was at the Marquee, Euphoria. You know what I'm saying? Talk to me better after that. What well, came next? the owner, I was talking to the owner about how I had ideas for shows that I'd like to promote. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't mean promote as like I'll tell people about coming to because that's what the a lot of kids use now is that I'm a promoter for Backwoods Music Festival. I say, oh, you put on the show. No, no, no. I just tell people about it. I hand out flyers. Mm. I said, oh, well, in my when I was kind of getting into the scene, promoter was more of like this is my show through this venue. I definitely agree with you. Um, so online, and that's that's what it. I told him I wanted like to organize shows with certain DJs that I had just recognized and uh, certain themes to shows that. And this is with Euphoria you're talking about. Yeah, so he kind of let me have a few nights. Maybe once a month, maybe every other month, I'd have one night that I organized myself on a Saturday or Friday night. And back then we'd do uh, door fees because mm-hmm. they didn't sell liquor after 2 a.m. So that's where I kind of got my start on doing my own shows. Eventually, working for a few other, you know, after hour things. I mean, back then it was kind of trashy. Everybody like the rave thing was kind of cool and right. dubstep was coming up and house music was out of the popularity. And, you know, I played dubstep for a little bit. Didn't really like it as much as house music. House and techno is where my heart's at. Okay. So I started doing shows when there was more of that. The trap was coming up and mm-hmm. being more popular and dubstep was on the decrease. I started doing shows like Enigma uh, hysteria, and I did. I hysteria. Yeah, that was my show, like way back in the day, um, until I got busted in by the cops uh, for being an illegal warehouse party. Okay, There's a, so that's something that interests me as well. <coughs> is like when it comes to electronic DJing and things like that, the environments you guys create, right? It's an uh, aesthetic. You got to have that right aesthetic. Talk to me about that, man. What is the aesthetic? Well, I like color. Color is really important when I organize a show. When mm-hmm. I do my flyers for a show, color has to be right when I'm doing lighting at the event. Mm-hmm. It depends on the setting. It depends on the bar. It depends on the DJs I'm having. See, this ties into what I was talking about earlier, the uh, another element of like what goes into yeah. the DJ. Because I see it more as an art than a business. Mm-hmm. To me, it's it's an artistic expression of how I see the music, mm-hmm. how I feel that music, and, you know, so I like to have more, It's it's a, I want it to be visually and auditorily pleasing to come into my show. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing a show at the first shop or Rabbit Hole or I'm doing a show, show at the Tolson, when they walk in, I want them to feel a feeling just from the sight of it That's and beautiful. from the sound of it. Mm. So it's an entire experience. Yeah, you know, and I don't like to overdo it with lights. I'll do LED to like kind of set the ambient lighting, mm-hmm. do a lot of blues, maybe purples. Those are my favorite colors. If that's what, you know, reds, whatever, greens, depending on how the show, how I want the show to feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll do one moving light. Some people overdo it where they got to have five lasers and two strobe lights and a moving projector that spins around. It's really simple. You have one laser that's kind of centered in the room Mm -hmm. that doesn't have a whole lot of movement. It just barely moves in one area. People can see it when they walk in. People can see it when they hang out at the bar, but it's not overbearing. Ambient light. And then put up a projector and have some cool visuals behind the DJ. It's really all you need for a good show, and people mm. can feel that more than going into some club that has sixteen thousand dollars worth of lighting that's right in your face. It's too much. 
It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's overkill. You know I think I mean? that that's cool that you like to keep it simple and you can still create that same vibe. Yeah, you know? and you can express yourself a lot more with that. Express what you're wanting the show to be through just that. And I feel like a lot of promoters here in Tulsa who are doing shows kind of don't get or respect that part of putting a show on. The art side of things, right? It's yeah. very much business. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that that's beautiful that you take the time to concentrate in on the feeling of the show, the experience. What am, what am I trying to get across from the DJ booth, through the lights, through the music, to the audience member? Yeah. I think that that's incredible. Man. You can even see on my flyer work that I do uh, for all of the Arcadia shows, which is the current show that I've been doing, kind of uh, recurring mm -hmm. in different venues down in Tulsa or downtown. Uh, all of them have more like, I like sitting around Greek statues and blue colors or kind of somewhat distorted, just some style to it that's recognizable. When mm -hmm. you see a flyer that's for me for Arcadia, you recognize the name and you recognize the art style because it's got uh, the, you know, Alexander the Great's bust behind the name of it with a cool color filter on it. It's, that is recognizable. Right. Yeah. Recogniz like recognizability is the best thing, especially for an EDM DJ. You want your kind of sound to, when people hear a mix from you, kind of pick up, oh, that kind of sounds like something I would hear Blake play. Mm -hmm. More deeper house or kind of melodic techno. I can dig it, man. I definitely dig that. Uh, talk to me a little bit. You brought up Arcadia, man. I wanted to dig into that with you anyway. Uh, now's a good time. Uh, better than ever. You know what I mean? Tell me a little bit about Arcadia, man. Well, that started um, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think the first one was at 473. I had me and Nomad and Kudos, uh, Trey Morgan, on that show. And it was just Vaporwave and ambient music at that point. What is Vaporwave? Um, kind of like and like a retro remix of 80s stuff that's also somewhat electronic and nostalgic fueled kind of music which is also in itself more of an art style than it is a, a genre of music it sounds real dope sounds like something i would do some uh i no longer do drugs but cocaine too like a motherfucker that's <laughs> dope yeah continue man but uh then soon afterwards it moved venues we started doing it at rabbit hole uh, and I think I just moved it into, it's just a house and techno show. Mm -hmm. And I might open each one of the shows with a little bit of Vaporwave, call back to what got me started down that road. Yeah, and I've done shows like Long Live Vaporwave at Whittier. That was a lot of fun. That's a dope venue, too, for something like that, I feel. I feel like oh, it'd be yeah. fun. Whittier's fun to, fun to work with. And yeah. I like all the people that work there. All I the like bartenders downtown are really cool. Shout out to them. They dealt with me when I was a belligerent drunk. I just uh, did a live podcast there, uh, during 918 Comedy Day recently, and it went, it went really well. I like mm -hmm. that environment, I like that scene. And I just imagine with all the lights and things there, like it would be beautiful. It fills up, you know what I mean? I feel like it could fill up really well. Oh, yeah, because, well, I mean, you get 30, 40 people in there, and it mm -hmm. feels too packed. Packed, right. Yeah. So I like that. Uh, so... You're currently doing Arcadia, though. Arcadia is going on. Yeah, the next one is on the 23rd of October. It's a Saturday at the first shop. Mm. And Kylie Wells, along with Frequency, will be the guest DJs, which they played Arcadia in the past. 
Talk to me a little bit about uh, what the audience can look forward to in regards to this Arcadia show, man. Well, we'll have, uh, I think, some some of the best older school house DJs. Hmm. Kylie Wells has been doing this a long time. Frequency has been doing it a long time. Uh, I mean, I haven't been doing it as long as they have. Really? Again, I'm kind of the baby in, in that lineup. But I think all of us are going to really bring some great music more probably more house based for the two middle sets mm. so we'll be uh, running music from 10 until 2 to close I'll open the first set with Vaporwave and then I'll close out the night with some techno but I think they're both probably going to play house you know maybe some remixes of modern stuff house wise just whatever keeps the crowd going that's what's awesome about electronic DJs is they're DJs that have worked for you know, top 40 clubs. Mm. So they know how to keep the crowd going if they feel like they're kind of losing the crowd. Okay, let's switch it up a little bit. Get the crowd back. See, then that's another skill. Yet again, you know what I'm saying, that people don't think of that goes into oh, yeah. what you guys do. Exactly. Like hip-hop DJs are good at keeping the crowd nonstop because people come out for the hip-hop aspect. But mm -hmm. sometimes people wander into a bar and there's tech German techno music playing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they might not be 100% for it, and they might kind of lose interest, but if a really good DJ can kind of read the room and, okay, I'll bring you back in, I'll do a, a Michael Jackson remix here. Right. He'll kind of get you back into the mood, and then I'll slip back into the weirdness a little bit. Mm. Do you listen to German techno? Yeah. it's. you got to send me over some German techno. <laughs> I'm interested in that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you some old mix that I used to make, because okay. I have... Hundreds of hours of mixes that I just made over the years. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in checking that out. I don't, I don't listen to techno much and nothing like that, man. So you're gonna be my, uh, you know, what I'm saying you're gonna bring me into that world. So right. I'm highly interested in it. Uh, man, talk to me a little. So you're writing now, you know? I mean, how long have you been writing? Well, I mean, I wanted to somewhat be a writer. I remember reading a Disco Bloodbath when I was younger. Mm. Uh, wrote by James St. James. This is a horror. No, it was. Uh, Based on a true story in New York City, uh, the movie, um, what was the name of the movie? Party Monsters. Okay. It was based off of the book that he wrote. It's just about a guy that killed his friend uh, over some drug issues. I just like, I was said to myself, if somebody like that can write a book about some experience they went through. You know, I've always liked people like Bukowski and uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brett Easton Ellis had always really been drawn to those more weirder writers. I thought that uh, since I was maybe 18, 19, I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And when I was about 22, I really put a lot of effort into starting to write. Wrote, wrote horse, uh, short stories and horror stories and got a novel finished. Um, working on some more stuff. But... It's something that I would like to pursue a lot more. I think that that's incredible, man. Uh, what type of stuff do you like writing about? Well, it's uh, more like transgressive fiction. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just about odd characters in the world that you kind of don't get to be the main characters of stories. Mm -hmm. Which, I guess now they're more common to see that kind of character. You know, like a good anti-hero or something. Right. So somebody with a different perspective on life. And, you know, I thought about just writing books about 
some things like fiction, very barely fictionalized versions of things that I had gone through in my past to keep it interesting because life's not like a story. Well, you know, plot a good plot to every real life story, but I thought maybe I'd write about my life. It's not that interesting, so I'll spice it up a little bit. <laughs> I think you're pretty interesting, man. I, Thanks. I want to go back to that, though. Uh, you writing about characters that aren't necessarily uh, or usually casted as the you know main characters. Uh, what makes you want to do that? Um, I don't know. It's just sometimes, sometimes somebody with uh, kind of nefarious motives mm -hmm. or unsympathetic attitudes about the world are people who uh, I think a good portion of the population kind of gravitate to and sympathize with or at least relate to more than writing about Superman after Superman. Right. Clark Kent's cool, I guess, but being a perfect human who can really relate to that. Mm. But you write a book about a guy that's got a coke problem and he can't stop gambling and, you know, he... I don't know. And the story might accidentally hit somebody with his car and he's trying to deal with those problems. So, I'm, I, I definitely agree with you, man. I've always enjoyed more uh, relatable characters. Characters that have the flaws. Yeah, you know well, I mean, yeah. It's not... I'm, I'm not breaking new ground. <laughs> Everybody right. kind of likes that kind of character, but I'd like to lean into that more than what people usually do. Mm. No, I just think that that's really interesting. Like I said, it's something that I'm I'm into. So yeah, you know what I mean. Some people do just like the Clark Kent's and the you know the main yeah, characters. The perfect, yeah, yeah, and that's cool. But I'm like, give me the raw, give me the gritty. You know what I'm saying? Gritty's so, the perfect word. Mm -hmm. I like that kind of book where you read it and you're like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. Right. What's he gonna do next? But he's trying. He's you know? maybe trying a little bit. Sometimes. He tried a last chapter, and now he's not <laughs> trying again. Yeah. What a piece of shit. I like. Let's it. see what he does next chapter. It's more relatable. It's us. Yeah, I real mean, life it, it us every the, day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, anything worth writing? Was it uh, Lacan who said that uh, the only story worth writing is a human conflict, human heart in conflict with itself? Mm. And if you can write a story where that's the main driving point of the plot is this guy dealing with his own emotions, I mean, who wouldn't want to read that? I like that, man. I definitely do. Uh, how many novels are you working on currently? Well, I have one finished, which probably will never see the light of day <laughs> unless I rewrite it um, but I'm working on a few probably too many at one time mm. I have a problem with staying focused on one project because I work on one project then I'll write maybe 100 pages in a week or two uh, scrap half of it in editing and then get kind of bummed out mm. and then say well I got this other idea I kind of wrote down on a napkin the other night I'll start that or trying to plot it out a little bit. I'll start working on that. I'll work on that for a month or two. And kind of get bored with it. Go back to the first story. Write another 100 pages in a month. Scrap another 50 of those 100 pages in editing. You know, it's a process. This definitely sounds like a process. What's your mentality when going into writing? Um, going into writing these stories, man. Well, I just want it to be... I want to write something compelling, something that will keep somebody's attention, something that will keep my attention. Because if I'm bored writing it, somebody's going to be bored reading it. Right. So sometimes if I get bored with a project, that I, even if I put some time into it, it's like, okay, I need to completely rehaul this, or I need to scrap it. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm bored writing it right now, who the fuck's going to want to read it? 
I think that that's a a healthy way of going about it, though. You know, what I'm saying very bold as well yeah. towards yourself. And you know what? Sometimes I'll start writing something. I'll get pretty deep into trying to plot it out and structure how I want the story to go, and start writing it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks into it, realize, shit, this was I'm fucking totally stealing from an episode of you know CSI Miami that I watched this was the fucking plot to an episode see and I feel like that's so difficult to not do you know you think we're surrounded by so much content yeah, on a exactly. daily basis yeah it's it's difficult not to have stories that parallel other stories but you know you want to be original it's really hard because everything that's ever been that ever could be written has been written at this point mm. probably but if you're writing something that's extremely close to Dune you probably don't want to write it because right. yeah I mean, it's a pretty famous story that already kind of hit those marks better than you probably ever could. So. Right. I feel like, I mean, that translates over with all art in general right now, man. It's just like everything's been done to a degree. Well, I can imagine being a rapper, you might right. write some bars and like, oh shit, that sounds really familiar. After everything you... I've said and everything I am going to say has been said maybe differently, but it's been said. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Same with stand-up. But same know? for jokes, yeah. Right. Both of we... us write jokes and every once in a while I'll... Uh, for some reason, I'll write a joke that I realize is dangerously close to somebody else's bit right. I heard five years ago and completely forgot about. We're human, though. It's natural. Yeah. And it, I, I also feel like it's okay to take influence, though. Yeah, you know? taking influence is... Just, we're adding our own voice to what's already been done. Yes. You know, our own little new print or whatever. Yes. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know what I'm saying? So, in regards to these new uh, things that you're writing, man... Uh, when will we, the public, uh, mainly King Castro X, get a chance to check out some of this stuff, man? You know Oof. what I'm saying? I mean, hell, I might just send you a few chapters of the newest thing I'm working on. I'm down to check it out. You know Thanks. what I'm saying? I think that that'd be real dope. Uh, I think you should continue to push it. Continue to, you know what I mean? Finish, obviously finish it, man. Let's let's oh, yeah. get it out here. Yeah, you know? I need to stop going out as often. If I can stay inside more nights of the week, then... I'd probably write a lot more. That's what I've been doing. So you've, you've been in the game quite a while in regards to the world of entertainment. You know what I mean? I feel longer than me, right? Uh, my uh, exposure to this world is this year. You know, I've just started. I mean, I, I went well, out Well, I mean, party. you're making waves already. Thank you. You've, you've I received that. done I a lot more in accelerating your career than I have in the past 10 years of doing this. I definitely appreciate it, man. It's a blessing to hear. Like I said, from somebody who's been doing this thing for a minute. You know I, mean? uh, I, I respect the hell out of what you do. You know what Thank I'm saying? You, so uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, just the process, though. Uh, you just mentioned you got to quit going out as much so you can concentrate. Uh, it's one thing I find myself going through is like, man, I'm booked out the ass with shows. You know what I'm saying? It's like, when do I take time to write new material, to work on new music, to concentrate on inner self? What are your thoughts on these kinds of things? I know you just did a reset. Uh, recently, if you're open to talking, yeah, you know, um, you know, I was married there for a little while and that didn't work out. So, mm-hmm. but during that marriage, I kind of quit going out and I quit DJing and I quit writing. And I quit. I, I wrote more then than I did comedy or DJing, mm-hmm. which you know, life kind of gets in the way of dreams sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you focus on other stuff. I think for me and my process on how I deal with. The entertainment part of our past that we're trying to walk down mm-hmm. is I do love going out and I love being in the middle of everything. I like 
talking to people. I like getting recognition for things I'm working on. I like showing off the things I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I like doing new shows, both music and comedy. I like getting booked on comedy shows. But I've realized in the past that when you're on a high like that, when you're getting booked, when you're booking a lot of stuff, when you're doing a lot of things, when you're getting recognized, you'll get very little, uh, like, finished. Right. You'll be coasting off those next few months, off whatever thing you wrote when you were on that upward trajectory. Mm. Those And for me, it's I have to step away, not go out for a month. I feel like there has to be a balance. So Because when I'm stuck at home and I'm watching reruns of Psych or Monk and eating too much. This is why I enjoy eating the keyboard. <laughs> that is when I write the most stuff. That's mm. when I get the most things. That's when I get inspired the most. I don't know if that's how it is for everybody. That's how it is for me. Because if I was to go out every single night and be on that high, I wouldn't give two fucks about writing another joke. Mm. I wouldn't give two fucks about putting on another show or working on my tracks for DJing or right. getting a new set, music set list made to, for my next show. I would I would be coasting off of whatever was it happening is. on it but it'll plateau and then it'll start going down you're not having as much fun you're feeling a little over drained and you're feeling kind of washed out with whatever material you've right. been using and that's the, that's the scary thing you know what I mean is as you're out there on that high there's a point where it's it's gonna go down you got to but I'm probably bipolar so I ride those waves of emotion but, but I'm, yeah. I'm co-signing with you 100% like yeah. that's been my fear as of late is like yo I know uh you know, so there's going to be the come down, if you will, yeah. of your high. We'll figure you know out figure out when it's going to happen, or if you can feel it coming, step out before you fucking fully said, crash. Just pull out real quick. You pull out for like a few weeks, right? Get some more stuff done before you're before you have like a meltdown. Because I've had mm. plenty of those. I mean, don't get me wrong. Most of them. I mean, it's going well on mine. Like I'm not like freaking out and nothing i just know creatively like i need to take that time and i was just curious as to if you went through the same like i need to take that time to focus on being creative versus putting out the product of my creativity you know i need to work on it over here oh yeah i mean nobody that's made it made it like in big time would do what we're doing as far as going out constantly right or you know, Stephen King doesn't try to go do book signings every single day. Right. He's a reclusive guy who shows up occasionally to get a lot of praise from the work that he does. You know, people like uh, famous rappers and stuff, I'm sure have that those times where I have to be in the studio writing. Right. I have to be in the studio recording. I have to make sure that I'm keep making products that is good. Hmm. Right, not product, but you know what I mean? Like This is a product, though. Yeah. Right. So, you know, but for, you know, some Tulsa locals, artists, local artists, for us, it's, we're locally known. We could get into clubs that people usually have to wait in line for. Right. We can get free drinks at certain bars if they like us enough that night. It does something to your mental. Yeah. So that. you want that recognition because it's like, no, I'm not going to be featured in, you know, New York Times anytime soon, but I if go I go to this bar, right. they will give me a free vodka soda 
for the night and uh, I'll get into this club without having to pay and that line down the alley for the new cool joint, I don't have to wait in that line because I know the bouncer and he likes my work for the last eight years and he'll right. just let me in. You Those kind of it. things are what people like us kind of thrive on because... We do. But there's also a part of it too where I feel like us going out every night... Uh, a lot of us call it networking, and sometimes I'll admit it's not networking. Yeah, but there party, is, yeah. just like you slinging your mixtapes back in the day, there is a yeah. certain grind to that. you know. And then that is one thing I know uh, that we spend a lot of our time doing is that grind. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But you want to be recognized. You do. And you. It, it's kind of important for you to get out there and, and you want to have recognizability. That. Right. So that you're con- you stay a member of that big crowd and whatever scene. There's a double-edged sword to this game. Yeah, it you is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm learning. Like I said, I'm enjoying it, though, man. I'm happy. I'm blessed. I get to sit with people like you well, thanks, on man. a day-to-day basis. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's a lot of good things happening. Uh, we brought up the stand-up a little bit. Uh, I want to talk to you uh, about your stand-up. Uh, how long you been doing comedy, man? Oof, um, not as long as I've been doing, you know, DJing. Uh, maybe I started when I was twenty-one doing mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm twenty-nine now, so I remember the first open mic I went to. Where was it at? It was at uh, the comedy that's, parlor. Okay, that's what I. Not open anymore. Closed down. I've heard so many great stories from Evan Hughes and Rick Shaw about the comedy parlor. Yeah. It's, it was fun back then. Draw from a hat, and if you don't get picked, you kind of made the trip for nothing. Might as well stick in the crowd anyway. But mm. yeah, that was kind of fun. You know, people were getting a little bit more organized, and I think around that time was when other DJ or not DJ, uh, comedians were at the time thinking, well, we have this open mic here. Let's do open mic at this bar, and let's mm. do an open mic at this bar. So they started reaching out, and I felt like that was kind of the beginning of reestablishing this other than just having a loony bin crowd and, and a comedy, comedy parlor, parlor crowd yeah because that's what it was from what i've heard from my story i love it i'm a history guy for our 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 uh our scenes oh yeah you know what i'm saying we had comedy parlors crowd and like you just said loony bins crowd and then i heard there was kind of a rivalry oh yeah at times well you know, what I'm you know i mean i never really was that involved with loony bin i've maybe been a few times it's definitely more of the I mean, people there will get booked out of state for... Back then, they were, they were the ones who were like, Looney Bin likes you, well, we're going to send you to Looney Bin in Wichita. Mm. And you'll get booked there. And then you'll meet somebody who will book you for a Texas show at some other mm. comedy, whatever, sh- bar that they got. Uh, maybe more... But I feel like some of the more avant-garde stuff was happening at Comedy Parlor. Mm-hmm. More... Not like crass comedy, but more of the things that were like anti-comedy kind of stuff going on, anti-humor. You say edgy? Well, I mean, that wasn't exactly it, but it was people who kind of saw it more as an art form. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw it, tried to be artistic, maybe a little pretentious about it, but it was people that probably were doing improv mm-hmm. a few years before that. Okay. So, right on. Right no, on. it's not a guy in a, uh, you know... Within a cowboy hat with boots, talking about as a comedy party, you usually didn't get that kind of mainstream. Where right. so like, well, my wife didn't did dang did oh come down to the and it's like okay, but it was 
you know, kind of more pretentious crowd, I guess. But I, I got along with all those people pretty well. I can dig it, man. <laughs> I can dig it. Uh, I, I wish I could have been a part of those days. I mean, right now, I feel like music and comedy, like just Tulsa's scene, right, is becoming very... Uh, very open. We, we are expanding quite a bit. I feel like there's a lot of support going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a beautiful time for me to be involved. I'm so fucking stoked to be involved right now. Oh, but, yeah. you know, uh, to get to be involved in the comedy parlor days, I don't know, just, it, it just sounds so cool to me. I feel um, like a child. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was mostly the com- comedians who would come every weekend. Mm. It was like they'd hang out in the in the green room in the back probably doing drugs of some sort mm-hmm. uh, and then the 10 people that showed up to listen to the comedy show <laughs> see and then hold we'd on. feel like rock stars going out there but I mean in reality we're just kind of it's Sunday lame ass kids we don't right. give a shit we're gonna you know probably be smoking chill. weed outside in the alley and then coming in and thinking you're killing right and then afterwards we all stand out out the front smoking cigarettes for three hours until it's midnight and then well I guess it's time to go home it was not that glamorous I, it, it sounds cool to me uh, doing drugs with comedians I know like I said I don't do drugs anymore I've done plenty of drugs with rappers like that's cool but like fucking doing drugs with comedians I kind of missed my window for that you know what I'm saying oh yeah I mean I, I didn't back then but um, it's fun seeing other people do that kind of stuff yeah yeah. You kind of see their perspective change. Mm. And, I mean, there's still comedians that were in that crowd that are still doing really well now, like Evan Hughes. I mean, mm-hmm. probably famous, most famous person living in Tulsa currently. Shout out to him, man. So Evan Hughes put both me uh, and my girl, Joe Miller, on our first stand-up show, man. So I got a lot of love for, for Evan. Eddie's bringing me back October 15th to the Vanguard. You know what I'm saying? My first... Big stage show. I mean, I consider Vanguard a big stage. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a great venue. To get to do that, man, it's, it's like, famous. Fuck, famous venue. It's dope, bro. It's awesome. You know what we building out here? It's getting yeah. nothing. Uh, man. So you said the Arcadia show is coming uh, October 23rd. October 23rd. It's free show. Okay. Please wear a mask if you're not vaccinated. Okay. Um. Uh, I think we're doing music inside. Top floor. Uh, probably the probably bottom floor. Okay. Uh, we might put some speakers upstairs playing something kind of more chill upstairs. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm gonna try to pop out to that. Yeah, um, your show is the night before. It is, and I I have a rap show right after my show that same night, and then I have a rap show the following day. Ah. So it's just. Uh, we'll be there till bar close. So yeah, I, I sh- there should be a chance I can at least slide through. But yeah. I just want to see your, your work. Yeah, I also do a variety show at Mama Sue's. True indeed. Go ahead and plug it up. Yeah. Uh, every Wednesday, me and the DJ from 106.9 mm-hmm. K-Hits, Austin. Uh, him, and I, him and I uh, host and I DJ some of the stuff. I DJ there and co-host that variety show. So if you want to do stand-up or rap or anything, come out and we'll help you with getting that set up. J Rob's still out there too? He'll show he shows up most of the time. Right on. He performs pretty often out there. People like Bo Swift perform pretty regularly. Yeah. A lot of good names come out. Most deaf, most deaf, man. So check that out, the variety show at Mama Sue's. 
Uh, I like how you kind of caught on to what we're doing. We're doing the plugs now. You yeah. Know, nice. <laughs> Wrapping it up. So that's how you can tell your experience. Like, yeah. You know, so you know what's going episodes. on. I've been a few uh, podcasts. You have, actually. Uh, what are the podcasts you've been on? So they can check those out. Oh, um, What Do You Do podcast with Bet Jeffries and their wife, Hannah. I did that. That one was a lot of fun. Um, I think I was drinking for that one, so I was a little more... Um, saucy. Yeah, a little more saucy. We'll have to do one like that here sometimes. Oh, yes. Uh, other than that, I think I did a, a wife here. Anti-interview. Anti-interview. You've done the off the top as well. No, yes. Off the top, I think, is the one I did. Okay. I think we did an anti-interview, but we got a little crazy on that one, so I yeah. don't think we published that episode. Most of Because we did it in the alley of a bar, I think. We were okay. sitting out at rabbit hole mm-hmm. getting a little too fucked up and uh you know i think some words were said that probably shouldn't be on an episode of anything on the internet j-rob's smart i'm sure j-rob put it yeah put i it think i told him i was like i'm you probably shouldn't publish that one right on <laughs> j-rob's my guy man i like him a lot he just recorded a commercial for with all due respect live uh at the fur uh for us the other day I think I, I, you already published that, right? I have. Yeah, so I've seen it. Joe and it were yeah. eating onions. Yeah, looked like a newscast on the bottom. Yeah, that's it. all J-Rob's work. You know what I'm saying? Work. Gotta plug him up. That's my boy. Uh, he show, he just shows me a lot of love. He really rocks with, with all due respect, so I can't help but like rock a <laughs> wife here fully. It's my guy, man. I like yeah. him a lot. He's been doing it for a long time, too. You know what I'm saying? Regards J-Rob? to hip-hop. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I haven't been in the hip-hop scene that long, so... Right. Just kind of stepping foot into that scene has been very interesting. See, man, I think it's so beautiful that we can all coexist and network together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we, we've been talking a little bit about, uh, I don't know if I want to say it on here, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say uh, maybe putting on a show together or something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In the future. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just think it's beautiful. We, It's all art. You know what I'm saying? It's all yeah. meant to become more. Yeah, as long point. as you can be artistic. I mean, I remember Mr. Burns. Uh, did a per did a performance at the last Arcadia that I did at did Rabbit Hole, it. and See? that was beautiful, having him and J Rob and those mm-hmm. type of performers. I don't think I knew you as well back then. No, I definitely would have booked you. Thank you, but, I appreciate yeah. it. Burns is my guy as well, man. Shout out Burns. Uh, was there anything you wanted to, else you wanted to plug up your social medias, man? Oh yeah, um, uh, don't add me on Facebook because I don't really know you. If you listen to this, probably unless I do know you, then probably already friends. But you can go and like. Arcadia Tulsa. Just Google it on Facebook. There's a page for it. It has a mannequin head as the pro, as the picture. And go ahead and like that page because follow it. That's where we post, where I post all of my, most of my events that I do publicly, even if they're not involved with Arcadia. But Arcadia is a big one that definitely want to be a part of, definitely want to come out. Because we're having fun. We're doing something a little different. A lot of Tulsa isn't doing. So it'll be a great time. Most deaf, man. Y'all be sure to check my man out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to pop out October 15th at the Vanguard. Catch your boy Castro X. Doing what I do on stage, man. Talking shit. Talking about getting my butthole played with. You know the usual. <laughs> I love how I say it with just such a deep voice. Talking about getting my butthole played she with. She just spit up water on my herself. <laughs> Uh, also check out with all due respect live uh, October twenty second. Shout out to Blake Dyer, man. For, Thank you uh, for having me on. Yeah, shout out to you for you know what I'm saying. Working with me on the show that day. Little did they know behind the scenes we were booked on the same day at the fur. 
Yes, or yeah, there was some confusion on the booking, but we worked it out. So shout out to you for that too, man. With all due respect, live, uh, all ladies line up. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to have Joe Miller, Ali Shea, Katie Style, Brittany Lynn, uh, Mud Wrestling. There won't be Mud Wrestling, Uh, but it's going to be cool. It will be a lot of ladies, so (laughs) that'll be great. Uh, Also... I don't know right now the rest of everything I need to plug, but check us out on Facebook with all due respect podcast, Instagram with all due respect zero zero one, Twitter at a underscore broadcasting, uh, Twitch at wadr underscore tv, YouTube at uh, with all due respect broadcasting. Uh, once again, man, thank you so much for rocking with me today. It's been a blessing. It's been an honor. Thank you so Privilege. much for having me. Of course, brother. I'm gonna have to bring you back. Um, this has been the with all due respect podcast. Uh, where we express our truest thoughts and feelings. And for those of you that don't like it, with all due respect, fuck you. And we out. <laughs>